On today's Christmas special, we're going to reveal which players have made Santa's naughty and nice lists, either raising their profile during the non-conference slate or lowering it. There's been a lot of high-profile games to start the year, and on the cusp of conference schedules, it's time to see who's got presents under the tree and who's got coal in their stockings. Lockdown Women's Basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win! You are Locked On Women's Basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Welcome. You are listening to Locked On Women's Basketball. My name is M. Adler, and I'm the Saturday co-host covering everything from the Seattle Storm to the WNBA draft, to college basketball, and the WNBA at large. Thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your, your first listen every day. And remember, Lockdown Women's Basketball is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. I'm joined by my co-host, Joshua Welch. Joshua is a women's basketball content creator and can be found at ENFP underscore hoops on Twitter. Josh, it's a perfectly sunny day here in New York, and it apparently feels like it's eight degrees outside. Santa's brought old man winter with him this year with a vengeance, and it's keeping us locked up inside. But on the bright side, that just means more reason to watch some basketball. You got to the Oregon, uh, the Oregon-Arkansas masterpiece last night, right? I did. It was one of the best games I saw in the season, and it's an absolute shame that this wasn't available for everybody to watch because there, there's just so many great players, like seasoned veterans like Rogers of Oregon and uh, Barnum of Arkansas and Daniels, like, and then just rising stars and Spencer, who I'm going to talk about, and uh, just so many good freshmen on Oregon, especially Van Sluten. My gosh, that spin move that she has, like, you know it's coming, but... It's just beautiful. Like it's incredible what she's able to do already. And yeah, just plays like a veteran and like how she is able to, to move and just anticipate on on how to get back on defense and make a play just phenomenal player. And then I I can't wait to talk about Spencer next season. Like um, Samara Spencer is going to be, I'm sorry, Samara Spencer uh, is going to be just an incredible player. Like, I can already see she's going to be a first-rounder in the W, like, just fun. Like, I I talked about this in our chat yesterday, but I've never seen it before where someone makes a pass and then they're immediately going back. Like, normally, like, you see it with the shooter, like, there's that confidence. But she had the confidence with, like, her – she did, like, a half-court sling to, like, the corner three, the car, and – like it was just an incredible play, just so much athleticism, and I just love, uh, yeah, her charisma and just how she plays the game, and you just clearly see she's having a fun time out there. That's the yeah, we have the most. Yeah, we, 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 yeah. we have a loaded show today talking about quite a few prospects and how they've advanced us non-conference late, but. Yeah, I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen that game, it is available on YouTube. It is one of the best games that I've seen in the past couple of years of college basketball. And yeah, the veterans were obviously great, but I thought the two best players on that court, Van Sluten and Spencer, I mean. Yep. Spencer had this one pass in the second half. It didn't turn into something because I think Dowda blew the layup. But she's coming from the, she's just walking around the arc. She's coming from the slot to the key and she whips like like a push pass straight to the cup. It was just 
just unbelievable the things those two were doing. Incredible athlete, yeah. And in such like a talented game for two underclassmen to be the best players on the court is ridiculous. It's unfair. There's a lot of talent coming up. Speaking of talent coming up, we are talking about first the best players that we have seen or the best players we thought to start the season and how they've advanced and how they have fallen. So, Josh, I'll leave it up to you. You get to play Santa to start off here. You can read a name from your naughty or your nice list in terms of round one prospects. Let's just pull the Band-Aid off and start with the, the bad news first. So I'm going with Abby Myers. Uh, she's someone I had late first round. Um, at one point, uh, she was taken off the bench for a couple games, I believe, starting at the Purdue game. And she's now elevated her shooting game to where she's in the starting lineup again. Um, but I don't see her as a first round player right now, like especially on the defensive end, like every other metric has seen the the same, like how she's able to impact rebounding. Uh, she's done better at um, having bad turnovers and she still contributes passing wise, but just on the defensive end, um, it's left a little to be desired for me. Like there's times where other teams like just take over and they're able to do whatever they want on offense. Specifically, I'm thinking back to like um, the DePaul game and the Nebraska game, like, just times where there's just defensive lapses and uh, her being a, a veteran, uh, I would want her to take more control in those situations. What are yeah, your thoughts I, on I've that? Liked her, I mean, I've liked her within Maryland's system and I like the shooting, but I, I, I think it's similar to Princeton where, you know, Princeton, we thought there might've been something more. And I think at Maryland, it's sort of, she's rounding into her game, but her game is something that is limited from the perspective of the W. You know, I think there's going to be, I'd be shocked if there weren't teams who might take her in the third round or maybe even the late second just to see what they get as a shooter, um, even a movement shooter. But I think, yeah, we, we've seen the limits on where there might be upside. No, I, uh, you know, as, as much of a hater as I am, I think just to, just to change a little bit of the tone here, I will say someone that I've been really impressed with. Speaking of the Big Ten, I've, you know, I've been like the J.C. Sheldon person for mm-hmm. – um, basically uh, a year now, but I, and, but I will say, look, on my preseason draft board, everyone knew she was a pretty terrible defender last year, but the, the tools were there. The instincts were there in terms of being a good defender and the steals numbers to start the year. I mean, come on, we've seen her defense. Ohio state makes it tough on, especially guards to just play good defense. But I think yeah. she's really proven that she has the tools and she uses them when she needs to. I'm even more confident right now that she can be, uh, and probably will be a two-way impact player in the W uh, as a lottery pick. And let's, I mean, this sky's the limit in terms of the, the way she's embarrassing players and the way that she is able to actually make an impact on both ends. She's obviously out with a foot injury right now, but you know, I can't say I'm concerned. She's shown enough. Yeah. No, for me, like she was like late first round for me, and now she's like cemented. I'm not as far as lottery pick yet. I, I want to see a little more, Aww. but <laughs> but. It's firmly cemented in the top eight, definitely. She's, yeah, really impressed with her game. And, yeah, preseason, the, the defense is what I brought up, and I was hushed up immediately in the Tennessee game we watched together. So speaking of Tennessee, let's go to the nice list. And going into the season, um, I liked a lot of the athleticism of Jordan Horston, but she just wasn't finishing enough to my liking oh. to be a potential lottery pick. And I'm running out of reasons to not consider her being a potential lottery pick. Like she's uh, been one of the most consistent players. Um, 
despite uh, who should be your co-pilot being on the bench too much or not playing at all. But, you know, we'll, we'll move on from that subject. But just focusing on Horston, just she was incredible in the Stanford game. Like the first few games of the season, like it, there were moments of last season where like she would do incredible moves to get herself to the bucket and it just one fall. I just feel like there's more finish to her game. Um, she's uh, not making like unnecessary passes. Like she's like really controlled her turnovers better than the beginning of the season and parts of last season when she was struggling with that. She's just really rounding into uh, a really fun player to watch and someone that will be able to make a, an impact in year one. What do you think of that pick? I think there's there's a term when it comes to basketball. There's a term. I'm just going to pull this from the dunker spot. Uh, for, for, for friends of the pod, Dunker Spot, and there's a term called, you know, just doing the thing. We talk about this with prospects a lot, you know, like th- there's something we want them to do that can make other things work. And for Horson, it's not just one thing. She's just doing the thing across the board this year. Career low in turnover percentage, desp- uh, despite the second highest usage rate of her career, career high in field goal percentage. She was raised her field goal percentage from last year by basically six percentage points. She's shooting well above average from three for uh for the collegiate level actually for any level you know it's it's not a huge sample size but she is on pace for a for a a a solid season in terms of volume and makes from three uh the real key for me look you look at her shooting profile this is all per per pivot analysis um her shooting profile at the rim she's raised her field goal percentage up to 54 percent which isn't a great number but for someone of her athleticism and for someone who gets to the rim as often as she does, we've said in years past, she should be a good finisher. But for some reason, she's not. 54% isn't great, but it's like she used to, in years past, she was just bad at the rim. And for someone of yes. her athleticism, actually getting downhill and getting to the cup and finishing there is huge. I will say Part of that is probably because of the personnel. When you're when Key is out of the lineup, which she's going to be for the basically the rest of Horston's career, which is just this year, it means Horston's basically playing the four. Or if she's playing with someone like Sarah Puckett, she's she might be playing the nominal three, but the four is spaced out. Horston has more space to work with this year. And I think that should really inspire confidence with some teams that she's gonna be able to do stuff in offensive space if you can get her there. Um Speaking of space, I think we have seen, uh, on the other hand, I think we've seen a prospect uh, who wears a lot of orange, who I think for both you and me, despite the space that she's working with, hasn't done as well as we, we wanted to. And that was someone that you were really high on to start the year in Deja Fair. You know, I think, look, you were obviously higher on her than I was, but I thought she would at least, I, I, I didn't think her numbers would drop too much this year. And she is just, kind of bombed it. She's shooting, I think, sub 25% from three this year. She's played super high volume. She's playing next to Tisha Hyman, who is a who is an all-ACC caliber player, and the ACC is probably the best conference in the country this year. It's, it's I've, I've honestly been really disappointed. I think, you know, the defensive effort that I saw at Buffalo, that, you know, she, she, she could never play man defense, but there was effort there that at least made up for it, and I think that's just completely evaporated. There's I honestly don't know what's going on. It's not like she, you know, she's not playing with a, with like all star teammates, but she didn't at Buffalo, and she's still she's just wrecked shop against South Carolina and Tennessee last year. I don't know what's changed, but it's really unfortunate. Yeah, and by the way, she's shooting thirty three percent from three. I'm like that seems really low. So she has improved as the season has gone along. 
Yeah. Um, but I, I will agree. I, I did expect more. Like, I don't know if it's thinking too much, like just uh, with being with a, a bigger school, like, and just trying to stand out and her being her draft season. I, I'm excited because Syracuse, as, as you know, did not have a good schedule. <laughs> like we did not get opportunities like we did at Buffalo. She had a better schedule last season with them than um, she has with Syracuse this season so far. So we're going to really get a sample. As of right now, I still have her as a first rounder, but it's more a later first rounder than the impact that I thought she was going to make. As you know, I had her as my fifth prospect and she's definitely not that for me right now. Yeah, I think there are some prospects where I had them ranked a certain point preseason with the caveat that there are questions that we need answered. Um, some Sometimes I put them there because I thought those questions might be a yes or a no. For her, she's one of those prospects where we've had the questions answered and I think, or at least we've, we've seen some possible answers and they've been no's so far. And that's unfortunate. But after this break, We'll look at the later rounds to see which players have revealed themselves as in gems and which later round prospects might have faded a little bit. But first, did you know that driving high is considered driving under the influence? That's right. Driving under the influence of marijuana is against the law in every state, even in states where marijuana is legal. That means driving high could get you a DUI. And if you think law enforcement officers can't tell when you're driving high, you're wrong. Your friends can tell. Your coworkers can tell. Even your parents can tell. Everyone can tell. So what makes you think that law enforcement officers don't know when you're driving high? Driving under the influence of marijuana can slow your response time and change how you perceive time and speed. So even if you think you're fine to drive when you're high, you're not. Because the bottom line is, if you feel different, you drive different. And driving high is driving under the influence. So remember, drive high, Get a DUI, pay for by the NHTSA. Thanks for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports Today. From the games that matter most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your prospects. So, Josh, coming back here, let's move on from the first round a little bit. You know, we've talked some highs, some lows. I'm going to start off our mid-round prospects with someone that I was obviously much like, much like J.C. Sheldon. I was beating the drum on in the, in the preseason, and, well, it looks like I'm being proven right. You talked about Hannah Jump's sample sizes before. What, how have you felt about the number three she's taken this year and her minutes played? So for me, when I look at prospects, like if, if someone just has one particular thing, like they're really good at rebounding or really good at three-point shooting, they're not going to measure up as well for me if they don't contribute in other areas. And that's what I struggled with before the season in Hannah Jump. Like she was just flat off like a three-point specialist. There wasn't anything else. She really got a large sample size in, and she's definitely turned into a, a prospect for me. Um, not the... Like, it sounds like you have her in, like, the top two rounds. I'm not quite there yet. Uh, I, I know someone will probably take her with just how fast she's able to shoot and her being competent in the other areas where she doesn't negatively impact um, the flow of the offense or defense. But um, I've definitely seen some improved two-point shooting, like her getting into areas mm -hmm. where, uh, it, especially the, going back to the, the Tennessee game, like there were times where, 
Um, she wasn't just staying behind the arc. She was running and getting into position to score from two. And that was really encouraging. And um, her passing's been, you know, passable. Like, <laughs> but I'm a little, it, it, it's okay. But <laughs> anyway, yeah, uh, I, I like her as a prospect. And I, I definitely see why you like her because she already <laughs> had that quick release. It, it's fun well, getting more minutes of her. Yeah, I put a lot of emphasis into players' floors, obviously. You know, if you have a skill that can translate and we know what you can do, then it just makes it easier to say, you know, here's how we're going to work the player in. And what when it comes to her, obviously her release is what it is. We've talked about this endlessly. But, you know, I think, especially given how, you know, Kiki Ariafin operates the center, being able to move the ball, you know, the emphasis placed on her scoring, she's really, uh, she's really stepped up in terms of the cutting, in terms of being able to increase her volume. She hasn't sacrificed any shooting. She actually leads. This might have changed, actually, but at least as of a few days ago, she led the country in true shooting percentage. She was shooting over 50% from the floor and from three, despite the, the volume and the depth of her threes. That's incredible. Uh, it's, yeah. it's remarkable to me. I, I love it. I love her as a prospect. I'm not going to have her like in my top side or something because, again, it is a one-dimensional skill set. It's a valuable one. It's one I like. We'll turn over to you. Is, is she eligible for a fifth year? Yeah. Everyone in this class is, unless they are in their fifth year. Got it. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know if this was her fifth year or not. I couldn't recall. And yeah, I, I don't know if, I don't know what else she has to prove and what she would gain from getting a, like playing another year at Stanford. Like <laughs> what she's bringing right now, I, I think is what she's going to bring. But um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go positive too, instead of uh, us doing like the last segment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, w- I want to talk about Leia Brown of Michigan. I don't know, like, she makes me think of, like, Emily Inksler in, like, a, a guard shape. Like, it's just someone that, like, if you're playing against them, like, you hate them succeeding. They drive you nuts with, like, their emotion they put into the game. And, like, she's just a Swiss Army knife and how she's able to contribute. I, I love her passing game. Uh, I want to see more of her three-point shooting come back like it did against, unfortunately, my Tar Heels um, in the first <laughs> half. But, yeah, like – I, I just love the the way she pl- plays the game. She's not quite a first rounder, but if, if she plays like she has at times uh, in big games this off season, uh, sorry, this non conference play, um, she could potentially put herself as a late first rounder. Like I, I just love her overall game, and uh, it's nice seeing her healthy and her being able to show what she has. So, what do you think of that pick? You looked a little skeptical of <laughs> that choice. I do love how every player we've mentioned so far is someone that the other person doesn't have like at all in the same sphere. <laughs> it's 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 some good uh, it's some good variety. The, here's what I'll say: there, there have been a couple of performances, UNC included, where I'm saying if I see a couple more of this in the non or in the conference, like then I'll treat them more seriously than I have before. You know, for me, it's the defense, it's the comb- and the combination of sort of like not a huge rim rate compared to like three point rate. So as if that ticks up in the, non, or in the conference league, as it has in, in the non-conference league, I think that I will be on board with, you know, having her somewhere there in consideration. But that's, I, I, I made a face for all you listeners who are not on YouTube. I made a, uh, I raised my eyebrow quite a bit when you mentioned the answer comp, just because she was you know, sort of the defense first prospect. That was my main thing there. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that that's fair. Yeah. I, I just, 
I was more going towards like the emotional. I get the style like, comp. I get, I, yeah, I get the like competitive style comp. That makes sense to me. Like, because, oh, you, that's just when you're rooting against her, it's like, oh, the emotion she plays, it's like she rubs it in her in your face when she's succeeding. And that's like the same vibe I got from Inksler uh, with Louisville. And yeah. she had that same demeanor like with the fever. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a more dour note, we're going to have to move on to prospects that we don't like as much. So I, or, that, that, that we're a little lower on these days, so I will be, and hopefully Kara Lawson doesn't get mad at me for this, but I will be mentioning Celeste Taylor. You know, oh, wow. obviously, yeah, I, I went on a bit of a limb with her. It's it's not that I've lowered her a lot, but I went on a limb with her uh, as late first in uh, my first go around. You know, she could be like a slasher and D type, excellent point of attack defender slasher. I think she still has that potential, but it's just how it hasn't showed up. I think. Unfortunately, a lot of that is attributable to the way that Duke is playing this season. They're going in that uh, UCF model last season. You know, the model you've seen a lot of teams, the most recent one I would say is UCF last season, where it's very physical, very stout defensively, and offensively it's, you know, get in transition or work for an ugly shot that hopefully goes in on offense. Yeah, It doesn't help players who could, who would benefit from space like Celeste Taylor. It doesn't help them. I haven't seen her elevate her game around that situation much to impress me, and I think it's unfortunate. I haven't lowered her a whole lot because, again, the potential is still there. I don't think this is a particularly deep class with players who can be two-way contributors, but it's still someone who, you know, like I said earlier, hasn't hasn't given a resounding yes to the questions that I had preseason. And you went before the season, like you want to see like a, another big jump in her um, jump shot dropping. Yeah. And- that's just been inconsistent as well, but yeah. I think the mid-range jumper has been there this year, but the three-pointer just, it's, it's, it's not that it's gotten worse, but it is, but at this point, it seems like it is what it is, and that's unfortunate. And I, I still think the potential is there, and that's what's great about um, Power 5 prospects. Like, the ACC, like you mentioned, is one of the most deep conferences. Like, she is going to have opportunities to mm-hmm. um, improve her game and really stand out, so... I agree. I, I just especially what she does on the defensive end, like the, she's been one of the, the best guards in that area. But as far as the, the offense, I, I think it's keeping her away from really considering her as a first round prospect. So mm-hmm. I'll go with that pick. Going the opposite direction of Horston on someone who hasn't been finishing, someone who has been finishing at the rim to going to someone who hasn't. Um, I'm going a me here uh, of South Carolina mm-hmm. just so like it, you just want it to work out so much because like the athleticism is clearly there, and I, I think it's more been mm-hmm. more consistent defensively. There's been lapses at times, but uh, I, I I see more consistency and wanting more. Um, but offensively, she puts herself in just great positions, like just the the move she puts on. Uh, but the the finishing touch has just not been there to. Yeah, where I can consider her a second rounder. It's more like just taking her on what the potential is, and that's something you do in in the third round. So before it was like maybe first round if she shows something, but she's in the second round, and now, yeah, I I just – I hope it comes together, but for right now, I I just – I can't see her being a a top 20 prospect right now. What are your thoughts on that? I just think think that I'm certain that Hunter is at home – yelling at his podcast whenever he listens to this because he's, I mean, he's the one who was banging the drum on a knee here to, to really be a first-round prospect. Obviously, neither of us can her there. 
to start off with. But yeah, I think I am where you at, where the skill set is unique and it's tantalizing. But in terms of the those little keystones being there, it's been unfortunate that those haven't, I think, come together. And I think, yeah, the the potential is there, of course, but it's not it's not coming together in the way you would want to, given her skill set. But after the break, we'll talk about a few players who we had just off our board to start the season, and they can't fall much farther. Can't fall much farther. So some of them might have made it on since. But first. BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, in-depth articles, and analysis on every game you can find. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Josh... We have finally arrived at the most interesting of prospects, the ones who we had undrafted to start, who are now draftable. I'm going to start with one big one. And I think, I'm hoping that a lot of people also have her in this tier, just given the fact that she has been unbelievable to start the year. And I'm talking about Indiana Hoosier Center. This is for you, Tony East, Mackenzie Holmes. Mackenzie Holmes is someone who, you know, she did a lot of little things well for most of her career. I think she was... I think she was a bit underappreciated in Indiana's sort of like breakout a couple of years ago. That's led to this run of top, essentially just being a top 15 team for the past like three straight calendar years. Grace Berger, you know, was in college for seven years and obviously drew a lot of headlines or sorry, not, not Grace Berger. Grace Berger is currently in her fifth year and has drawn a lot of headlines for, you know, being the head of the snake. Ali Patberg was in college for basically seven years and drew a lot there. Nicole Cardano-Hillary shown out as well. But for me, Mackenzie Holmes, she's been she's been the center. She's been the reason why they've been able to get away with some defensive aggression despite not having great defensive guards uh, at like the two at like the two and three spots. And look, she's been a severely, I think, underappreciated defender in space for most of her career at Indiana, and I had her as just missing it, but someone who I was watching to start the year, and she's just eaten with having this much space to work with and having guards who can put her in pick and roll, being able to, you know, work downhill a little more on the roll. Her finishing's just taken a massive jump. The Big Ten's going to be tough, obviously, but Indiana's not not played the the, the worst of non-conference schedules. And I've they been really impressed. Have, they, one of her best games was that North Carolina one. So. Absolutely. I'm excited for her. I am excited. Like Indiana doesn't knock down all those threes without her establishing presence inside where mm-hmm. they couldn't focus on their three-point scorer. So, yeah. I, I, had her, I had her early third round, and she's another player that um, when I do a, like a, another mock draft board uh, later this month, I'm – yeah uh, – she might be okay. like fringe first rounder. Like she's been really interesting. It's not as many front court players in this draft. Uh, if you're able to stand out, it, 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 especially this draft, like you might be able to get picked higher than you would in another one. So like last year, maybe she doesn't get picked as high. So yeah, no, I, I, I like that pick a lot. And she was someone that I, I consider doing as well, but I went with another front court player that, wasn't on my draft board at all. Wasn't on my radar. And going back to the beginning, I, I really like Arkansas. Um, but a player that I hadn't really focused on was Barnum. And yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, 
just the move she's able to to do inside, and then if she's able to bring that three point jumper, like at least have it in her back, like she did in the the Oregon game, where you have to like take it seriously. There's something there, and just there's not a lot of like front court players that can handle the ball like she does. Like she can dribble into a safer area and then make the right play. She's not mm-hmm. just stuck. Like if she gets double teamed, I I feel like she's a lot better than a chunk of front player front court players of making the the right read and, and getting it um to the open player so she's just someone that's really impressed me i, I believe she's playing the five more in arkansas uh, right now but yeah, i would want to see obviously yeah. in the four position but there's something there and i'm really curious about that lsu game uh especially <laughs> the maybe she cements herself as a prospect for other folks but yeah, I've, I've really liked her game, and it seems like you were agreeing with this one. I'm basically excited about everyone at Arkansas's front court from at least just a college game perspective. I've dreamed about this. They they start Barnum, and they started alongside Sailor Poffenbarger. Poffenbarger is just a, like a 6'4 big wing, but they basically play her defensively at the 5. Barnum's kind of the 4, but but they, they will switch pretty much everything when it comes to the 3 through 5 positions. They use Barnum and... Poffenbarger, both as backside and protectors. It's so much fun the way they play defensively. Barnum makes good rotation. She's good with her hands. She's got really good stock numbers. Her assist turnover ratio for a big is nearly one-to-one, which is incredibly impressive. If she can keep Definitely. ramping up the uh, three-point attempts, because it's been it's not been a lot to start the year, but she's hit them. If she can keep ramping that up, I'll be very excited because she is playing within the system really well. And, you know, she again, I do agree. She's someone I didn't even think about, and she's worth a third-round look for sure at this point. Definitely. On the other hand, I I actually had, I actually realized that I had someone here, someone on the end of my draft board who was a watch in uh, Ohio State point guard, Madison Green. Uh, But unfortunately, uh, I think she actually might be, she might be done for the season. We ha- we have not had any update on her since, but yeah. she did go down with a with a with what appeared to be a very severe knee injury. She's torn her ACL before, and she certainly seemed to recognize the feeling she had when she went down against uh, Oregon. She had to be held up the court; couldn't walk on her own power. So we will I will not be mentioning her. Um, she had some good games. She had some she had some good games this year, and it's very unfortunate for Ohio State going forward. But Another unfortunate guard this season, but not for unhealthy reasons, is Zaya Cook. I have made a joke you that said on you weren't going to bring her up. I've made a joke on this podcast. Well, then I remembered that Madison Green might be done for the year. You know, I've made a look. I've made a joke in this podcast that we have to bring up Zaya Cook in every single episode for one reason or another. Another and look, the I was going to say Green, Acklin Green. It is what it is at this point. Essentially, the big thing for me is the three-point shot just hasn't returned to where it was her sophomore year. I have no idea why she's working with she's working with more space than God at this point. I think basically every shooter in the country would kill for the amount of space that she's able to work with because she will get the ball in the corner. She will have essentially a defender having to close out to her from the paint, and she just hesitates herself out of a shot. She takes it and, and it rims off. It's not it's not pretty. I don't know what's going to work in the WNBA. I'm going to be honest. I don't see it at all. And defensively, she's almost gotten worse. Yeah, uh, we were talking about this before uh, we recorded. And to me, like, I was getting concerned about Cook. And then I've just seen more 
like spurts. Um, the past few games that I have a little more confidence going into SEC play, play. we'll see if that's uh, rewarded or not. But I, I think she establishes herself as a second round prospect again. Like I, I definitely don't Ooh. see her as a, a first rounder anymore, but I, I expect her to show she's a viable prospect, like the three ball falling a little more. And I, what I, what made her more of a prospect again for me was just her passing decisions. Like they, they had her in more like a, a point guard role at times. And I feel like she's done better with that opportunity to stay in the lineup and, and play a role within a juggernaut in South Carolina. And I think we're going to see some more of those spurts in SEC play. I hope, I hope I'm right. I, I think there's a, a I yeah, just another player. <laughs> yeah. But um, we were on the same wave, wavelength uh, on like going towards uh, injuries. And I just want to uh, talk about the Baylor situation again, just what we've missed out on the first half of the season and getting Asia Blackwell and Dre Edwards. It's, it's an absolute shame that we haven't gotten that yet. I hope we get that in Big 12 play. I, I, I haven't heard any new updates on what's going on with Edwards' eligibility and being able to get enrolled at school, but uh, that's a shame we didn't get to see her play uh, against Maryland and, yeah, the other top-tier opponents that Baylor got to play, the the Arizona game where both of those players would have made an uh, impact of not getting blown out in that, like – yeah, it's just sad we we haven't been able to see that combo yet. It was one I was really excited uh, to see looking into the season. I had Dre Edwards like early early second round potential first round threat, uh, and then Asia Blackwell. We both talked about her a lot and her athleticism. I, I was really excited to see her in the Baylor offense and with the the talent surrounding her. So I'm really hoping uh, we get that in Big Twelve play. Yeah, the, the yeah the situation with Dre Edwards is unfortunate. Her eligibility so far has not been uh, approved. It has not been worked through to let her play at Baylor. I'm confused a little bit as to why a grad transfer needs to have her eligibility approved, but that's neither here nor there. It's just a it's just a mess of a situation there at the moment. Asia Blackwell, I'm glad is back on the court. Look, I'll I'll end this on a Alana is on an optimistic note. She's back on the court. Hopefully she progresses back to being... I, I think it was just for safety reasons, like, because they... I forget who they were playing. They weren't... It, it was like a smaller school, but she was not in the lineup for their last game. I, I think it was just precautions, mm-hmm. like, going into the holiday break. It, it wasn't a game that she would be needed. Let her fully She didn't play the second half against Arizona, though, and that, so that was a little concerning. Okay. So, but, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it's nothing serious. It, it better yeah, not. but they do have the week off. She didn't play that game, so she'll basically be having closer to two weeks off at this point. Hopefully that'll really help her rest her conditioning and coming out. She'll be someone who, you know, we were obviously both A, high on, and B, we're really interested to see what she did under Nikki Collin, who obviously just provided a massive spark plug to Melissa Smith's development and has just really made a lot of players out of people who we thought were just bench warmers. So this is going to be more than a little interesting. Baylor's, Baylor hopefully can be super fun. They, they have a couple of freshmen there who are, I'm really excited by. And, you know, I think we're, I think we talked about the ACC. This is, we talked about the big 10. This is the big 12. We're looking forward to some really good conference playing some really good matchups, but we know what we're getting and it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. So thank you for making Lockdown Women's Basketball your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. 
available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.